Hello, Jared. Welcome to 321 No Kidding. How's it going? Thank you so much for having me. Nice to have you, except for you're in a warmer place than me, so I'm a little jealous. It's snowing today. Uh, Southern California is very spoiled living here. I mean, you do have to sit through lots of traffic, but uh, yeah, I do live in Los Angeles County and uh, San Dimas, Laverne, to be specific, for anybody that knows where that is. Pomona. People probably know Pomona because there's a fair every year. That's where I live. I actually, the West Coast is probably my second biggest audience other than the town I live in. Oh, really? There's Oregon and San Jose are two of my biggest cities. So thank you to my listeners out there. I have no idea who they are. They're not relatives or anything. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Right on. Yeah, I'm wondering who's listening to my podcast too. So So we connected in a Facebook room, podcasting. Yes. Yeah. You brought up the topic of mental illness. So I'm hoping you'll share, I mean, anything like personal, if you want to share like your work, talk about your podcast, any of that, yeah. dive in. And then I'd love for you to share your story. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's probably a little bit easier to go a little bit back like linear like backwards to to now and kind of a summary because it is all kind of connected i did start a podcast two years ago on mental illness and my kind of christianity and faith belief and kind of how those two things have influenced me because they're when you kind of break them both apart they're like huge subjects (laughs) you know like spirituality and faith is huge for lots of people and then so is obviously mental health I definitely have probably been bipolar my whole life, but I'm 35 now. Childhood for me was like really good in a lot of ways and then really bad in a lot of ways. A lot of it was like nature and nurture mixed together, but I had a very like loving mom, not a very good dad, lots of dad issues. As far as addiction, my dad was very into alcohol, was very angry, yelled, was like very verbally abusive. So both me and my older sister have struggled kind of later on in our adult life with, you know, just instability and anxiety and depression. And I do think looking back at that, you know, as you get older, you reflect on your childhood, right? And you're like, oh, wow, that was really unhealthy. And I think I don't have kids. My sister has three boys now. And like, I think a lot of the yelling and the anger just really created a lot of like fear in me. And then my mom was a flight attendant, which she loved her job and got to travel the world. She's retired now. So that was cool, but she left a lot. So she kind of left and then left us with our dad and hated our dad. <laughs> so, but it was it was a very like bipolar childhood. And I don't want to like, you know, say my dad was all negative because he did do a lot of things right too. I played hockey for six years, competitive ice hockey, got to travel all over Colorado. And he really like sacrificed a lot for me with that. But but when I was 21, I went away to college and I went to this like very religious place and school. So I kind of had a lot of like hyper spirituality going on. And uh, yeah, I had a panic attack one night when I was 21. And it was, if you've ever had a panic attack and you've never experienced it before, it's just this crazy sensation where you think you're going to die. 
for me, it led to me losing sleep. So I didn't sleep for like a night and then it went to like two nights and then it went to seven nights. So I didn't sleep for a week. So I was in this like manic, just, so I started having like suicidal thoughts. I felt condemnation is like the spiritual term, but just your mind is, you know, when you don't sleep for a day, you feel a little bit off, let alone seven days. So I, my parents had moved to California while I was in Kansas City is where this had originally happened. I came home to be with my family. At this point in time, my parents were still together. And so my mom and my dad kind of were like my doctors, I guess. I, I did go see a doctor and everyone was like, you just need to sleep, man. That's what's going on. So medication came into play. I ended up really not sleeping for like a month. I mean, it was, it was like a whole month long thing. I finally kind of calmed down. And so anyway, I had this like six month drinking. I was trying to use other stuff to help me sleep. Not really drugs. Fortunately for me, drugs has never really been like a thing. Alcohol kind of, I snapped out of it. I kind of just weaned myself off of all the medicine. I was like, oh, that was just, you know, me being 21 and I don't think I'm bipolar and I don't think anybody when you first hear any kind of diagnosis, you're just like, yeah, that's me. I'm great now. You know, you don't really accept it. You kind of like run away from that. So I went back to Kansas City and then it happened again, like exactly a year later. Same thing. I just couldn't sleep. My mind was racing. I was like, okay, maybe something's like now really wrong with me. So then I managed to be fine for about four years on a lot of medication but looking back in hindsight it was like too much meds if that makes sense which it's very possible in the psychiatric world to like be over medicated from doctors and you just don't know it and so this led to me getting off of all of that stuff because i i kind of was just like a zombie i don't know really how i like function but i was able to Fortunately for me, I've always been surrounded by lots of really good people and friends and support. And that's definitely, I think, helped. But I also, I know, I went about the getting off the meds in a very, like, not good way. You never should just get off medication on your own, <laughs> you know. I so think they I tell know. us that. <laughs> What'd you say? I think doctors tell us that. Yeah, of course. And it's <laughs> it's definitely hard. It's It's definitely complicated, I think, because our the brain is complicated medicine nobody knows everything and you kind of unfortunately are it's you're kind of an experiment you know it's not not some you know deep secret russian experiment but like not stranger things or something but like the doctor really can only just kind of try something and see how you respond but that's really about it like there's so the doctor that i had that had over medicated me i think he was just afraid that i was gonna like lose my mind if i you know had less medicine or something so I, he just wasn't a good doctor i got off all of that stuff and then kind of the like worst time of my life happened i was 27 and I think because I had gotten off all of this medication, I kind of hit that wall again. But this time around, I was like severely suicidal, 
And I went to the hospital for the first time. I had never been hospitalized in those, those earlier times. So it led me to this really bad, like eight months. I was living with just my mom. I finally like left Kansas City for good after being there for, for eight years. And my sister had just had her like first baby. But third time around, I was very suicidal, which I had never really experienced that. If you've ever been suicidal, which is a lot of people out there, I, I just got very stuck in my head with thinking, just not really thinking there was a way out, you know, like, I can't get these thoughts out of my head. So it was really bad. So I had a couple of not super severe suicide attempts trying to like kind of overdose with a little bit of medication. But, you know, once it happened the first time, everyone was very scared. So I was in, out, in and out of the hospital. And then probably at about the eight month mark, my mom had like left me alone because she had to go to work as a flight attendant. She had taken a lot of time off. She was like, I think you're okay being alone, but it was just, it was hard. I didn't really have a lot of friends. I wasn't really around a lot of people. Yeah, I, I tried to overdose with like all of the meds that I had, which was probably like a hundred pills. Nice. <laughs> and, I mean, you know, lithium, Seroquel, Lamectal. I mean, you take like the previous attempt that I had had, I took like 10 of something and that made me, I had to get rushed to the emergency room and I had to drink charcoal to like, that's how you get it out of your system. And so this was very severe. I passed out. Luckily my mom, I knew my mom was coming home. So kind of like to call the pills at like 6 PM. She was supposed to come home at like 10 o'clock. So she knew something was wrong. She called me. I didn't answer. She's speeding home. And uh, obviously if she hadn't come home, I definitely would have died. But because she was able to get there, I, I ended up in a coma. So I was in a coma for three days, just like Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. And well, I was uh, just thinking you were catching up on all that sleep you missed. Yeah, exactly. This version of the story. Yeah. So my my I I'm in a coma. My mom is texting like everyone we know, pray, you know, pray for Jared. You know, my my sister comes, my dad did come to see me, and then about five of my friends from the Midwest, and my one friend, Zach, who was in Rochester, he had just moved to upstate New York, become a pastor up there. He flies in, so like all my friends come and see me. And then through like a friend of a friend, this church in Pomona, California, which I don't, I had visited once. They all just prayed. It was like a, a four-hour like prayer session. And the, the, the morning, they prayed for like from like eight to 12. And then I, like a couple hours later, I came out of the coma like that afternoon, the, the, the same day that everybody was, you know, wow. praying. So definitely a miracle. Definitely the most intense thing I've ever experienced. I mean, by far in my entire life. So that kind of was really the start of, I ended up going to the hospital for five months, like like two different kind of psych places. And I ended up just getting really, really good treatment. So kind of the first thing that needed to really change was really just trying to get the medicine right. And I don't know, I just had a really good doctor in there and he's like, oh, I can't believe you ever tried this. 
you know, let's see how this works. And he ended up just kind of, again, a little bit of guesswork. They're like, you don't know. Right. So he guessed right. And, um, I, Jared, I want to yeah. hear a lot about the wellness chapter, but can we back exactly. up? I have yeah. a couple notes of things I want to ask. Yeah. They're kind of random. One is, what's the name of your podcast for my people who might want to find you? Absolutely. Yeah. It's called Louder Now, but the best way to probably find it is just to type in Louder Now, Jared Deal, D-I-E-H-L. It's on Apple. It's on Spotify. It is on Google. Those are probably like the three main ones. And I think maybe if you have like CastBox. But yeah, that's the podcast for sure. Okay. Well, I wrote down my notes in order as you said things. Then you said, you said these attacks happen when you went. Well, I have another question first. Yeah. Church. You keep going back to church. Did, can you tell me what your childhood church was? Like, were you guys going to church regularly? What did really oh, yeah. like in your life when you were growing up? Very just church all the time, very non-denominational, very like charismatic, (laughs) which is, you know, definitely lots of pros and cons to that kind of, you know, spirituality and approach to the the Bible. But yeah, definitely, honestly, answer the question, like evangelical, like believing the Bible, like believing scripture is, you know, inspired by God, believing like Jesus died on the cross, you know, just kind of the, the bullet points of like, yeah, I'm a, I'm like an, a, a Christian and I'm, I'm following this pretty seriously. My parents were actually pastors when we were like really little and that didn't last very long. My mom has always had this very unique, just like, she's written a couple of books on faith and she, she's traveled the world. Like literally my dad was a flight attendant actually with my mom and that they did that for the first like 10 years of our, our life. But yeah, my mom has always had more of a like just preaching the gospel, like wherever she goes and meeting people. And like, she's just full of like stories of, I had a dream that this guy wearing a red shirt was on the airplane. And then I met him the next day and then I prayed with him and, you know, I led him to Jesus and just this very like, wow, you're actually like living your faith out and what you're doing, you know, in, in quote unquote, the world, you know, so I had a lot of influence, but then, yeah, when I went to the Bible college time, things definitely got kind of more evolved and more just intense. And, and, you know, there's a lot I could say on the subject because it definitely has done a lot of good, but in the realm of like dealing with kind of the the biology and kind of the science behind the breakdown where it's complicated, it was definitely kind of a hindrance for a while. I think I didn't really fully embrace the bipolar side of things until I had five months in the hospital of serious, you know, reflection and like soul searching. And that's where a lot of that acceptance kind of took place. So, okay, thank you. And yeah, then I just I, want to clarify because you said the breakdowns, the way you described them, if I caught the time running right, they were both when you got to Kansas City, which I lived there for four years and I have a great affinity for KC. Yeah, I noticed your Chiefs thing when we were like 
and I can't remember if I asked you about that, but I noticed you Chiefs on your Facebook, and I was like, oh man, that's cool. I think I think KC is one of the most beautiful places in the world. So I just wanted to clarify, it had nothing to do with KC, even though the time was KC. So I was kind of wondering, was there an incident though? That was the only thing I could pick up in your story. Was there a relationship? Was it the stress of the school? That just stuck out to me as you were talking. For sure. Yeah, there there was, it was a very, very unique place and still is. I mean, the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, Mike Bickle, if you Google all of that, you're probably going to find a lot of like, this place is a cult, <laughs> you know, very, very close friendships with people. I became very close with, with my, my friend, Zach. He was, he was older. We lived together. He was like, he was like a mentor. I definitely think I brought a lot of like pain and brokenness in to that time in my life because I was so young, you know, I was, it was the first thing I did after high school. I kind of just broke away from all of my friends that stayed in Colorado yeah, there was there was a girl I I dated right when I moved there. That didn't that ended really badly. So I know that was kind of a wound, and it took me a while to kind of get over that. And then Zach got married, and so we lived together. And kind of the time when he started like dating his his wife, we kind of like naturally just didn't spend as much time together. And you know, you're just like, bro, you know bros before wives no and um that naturally that i do remember the summer before i got to october the fall being very depressed and like lonely so it was a combination of i think relationships changing but oh the part that i left out which i shouldn't leave this part out was it was a 24 7 place and i was staying up all night so my schedule was like the graveyard shift so the 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 schedule would be we would sleep we would do the prayer shift from like 12 to 6 so whether you're praying or whether you're staying up all night playing video games you're just not meant to be up all night correct so i did that for three years without a break without and not really like taking good care of myself like you know not exercising eating whatever so i think physiologically the stress of that mixed with kind of these other like relational things i think just triggered something in me to kind of like spiral into so sorry i left that part out but i think the night watch element contributed to like most of it you know, that I stayed up all night. Was the video game, I just recently interviewed someone who told me about his college video game and he labeled it an addiction. Was that a big part of your overnights or was it casual? I'm just- Oh, oh, video games? Yeah. Oh no, that was a joke. Sorry. Okay. I was I was saying whether you're playing video games all right. or praying, the, the act of just being up all night. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as addiction goes, like, I've always, I definitely, at a young age, got into, like, pornography. And I think for any kid that gets exposed to that young, which unfortunately is, is it's probably, like, a thousand times worse now than it was when, you know, 
my dad was looking at porn on our like family, you know, gateway dial up <laughs> modem, you know, and I saw him do that, which, you know, also did something to me of like, wow, here's my dad who's supposed to be helping me like, you know, probably not partake in this behavior. But I had, you know, my, I wasn't, we went to church, but I also had friends at school. So I, I, I saw my first playboy when I was like 10 at like a friend's house. His dad had them all like stacked up in that. So that behavior definitely stayed with me even when I was in Bible college. And I think that worsened the amount of like, you know, guilt and kind of shame in partaking in that, especially in an environment of like trying to like live right before God. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I'm seeing such a big struggle just in those two things. They're so yeah. contradictory. Like I get nervous Honestly, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I've had those conversations because I didn't have any faith or spirituality up until the last few years in my recovery. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't understand how guys that I were I was involved with that had religion or whatever, how like how they could be involved in sex or dirty things. Like I couldn't I couldn't wrap my head around that. Like well, what, what are your boundaries? You know, like, since you're a God kind of guy, like, what are right. your boundaries? Like, I just couldn't wrap my head around that. So that's why I have a mental disconnect. Like, it's too, it's just my own beliefs or perception. For uh, sure. Well, yeah, it is a huge subject because I think sexuality, and especially with addiction, I mean, it's just, the, the challenge is always, I mean, I think the church and Christianity treats it as this thing of like it's shameful to even talk about it at church which kind of is a problem within the problem of like well we should be able to talk about it because the problem is that it's a secret and you're like i think one of your interviews with someone that i was listening to about the gambling it's like you you live this like double life right you're like oh i'm showing up for church and i'm this well put together person in front of everyone. And then when I'm alone and I'm feeling like lonely, I'm looking at porn and I'm like doing all this, I'm talking to girls and I'm trying to like have sex and, and you're living like two lives. So I've definitely dealt with that for the whole time that I've been bipolar. <laughs> so that's, that's definitely been a contributing like thing. Fortunately, I haven't gone down the road of really dealing with like, drugs very much or even alcohol it's it's more been kind of that so thank you for being so honest yeah for now, sure. we, get to, now we get to flip the script so you're yeah absolutely involved in the hospital for five months mm -hmm. i have to tell you i'm very curious about bipolar in general mm -hmm. i don't know if i've done too much homework almost so there's people in my life there's two very specific that have been diagnosed with bipolar and I'm a very black and white and like you need to take action like a, a no excuses kind of person and um, there's a lot of resistance around those diagnoses with me because to me it seems very simple to be able to do the thing right and I'm not mm -hmm. saying I'm not empathetic I just don't understand sometimes my counselor's working on that with me but then I've done like research and reading. I don't know if you've ever heard of Dr. Amen. 
but he's a brain doctor. Yeah, I just ordered his one of his books literally yesterday because I changed like the a, brain, change your life, maybe. Yeah, I've heard of him. He's actually lives here in like Orange County. So if I have three thousand dollars lying around, I'll go get a brain scan. I can't wait until I can afford to go. I'm gonna yeah. go. What I actually wish was I had a brain scan of while I was gambling and drinking and partying and living my old life. I really wish I could have a before and after, but I'm so glad that you're getting that book and, mm-hmm. and we'll have to follow up and chat about your perception because when he gets into the science of all these diagnoses compared to what he says, it's just very interesting. It makes me wonder, like you said, that the doctors are only as good as the trial and error because each patient's metabolism, body, all of that's different. So it's never going to be the same. Yeah. I, I, I mean, one of the things I've had to kind of, I think in recovery, you have to like try to just, I mean, it's like a principle in life to like, you know, try to just control what you can control because there's obviously elements to your own mind and your body and your spirituality that you're in the world and like people around you that you're you're not in control of but you are in control of a lot and and i think science kind of shows us that for unfortunately i think with doctors like if you're in like a hospital setting or you have a breakdown like there's only there's like a small window of time that they have to try to like fix you (laughs) <laughs> so you're not going to get the full treatment when you're like 5150 in a psych place. Even when you meet with the doctor regularly, like outside of a hospital, they only have so much time with you too. And most of the time, from my experience, it's really just kind of all about medicine. So it's, it's, it's just all about medication. It's not really about anything else. It's not like, do you exercise? Do you have friends? you like kind of like your job you know because those things now obviously with so much information that we have on you know taking control of your thoughts and mindfulness and meditation there's obviously lots of tools that have nothing to do with meds as money generating though right exactly (laughs) and and i honestly like and i talk about it on my own podcast i'm like i struggle with being on meds still because I think I always have this, and I don't know if I've ever really like said it like this, but like I always have this thing where I'm like, well, I'm probably still not feeling as good as I could because I'm still like taking a lot of meds. So I'm like, it's obviously keeping me stable and I've needed meds for 15 years to sleep, but there's also like side effects to what I'm taking. So there's always this thing where you're like, maybe my life would be better if I was off of all of this, you know? And, and, and that's just something I think I just have to kind of continually talk about and, you know, get help from professionals on like, you know, and try to be healthy. I don't know if that makes sense. I think it's just, there are lots of stories of people who do get off medication and they end up, doing okay but the times i've tried to get off meds has ended me up you know suicidal and like what i yeah earlier so there's a right way to do it you never want to be like 
all right, screw these side effects. I'm getting off everything. Like that's going to end in disaster because it's very, you have to be careful with that. So, yeah. Yeah. I go down this rabbit hole, but no, I want to hear about here today. Absolutely. Well, that five month period was 2013. So that was kind of a while ago. Definitely was the most life-changing time. I think really the biggest thing that I got out of that was moving towards a place of really trying to just take as much responsibility as possible for my decisions, you know, and being like, okay, I do have bipolar. I do need medication, but meds is not going to like fix my relationship with my dad. Meds is not going to like give me a right view of masculinity and like help me with culture and, you know, and all of the above, right? Everything else that plays into just living life. And I, I think at a young age, I definitely had a lot of joy and a lot of like the center of attention. I loved acting. I still think I could be an actor and maybe it's just because I live in California. So everybody <laughs> thinks that I'm like, Oh, all the sets are Warner brothers studios right down the street. I should just try to, you know, be an extra. I was in one thing for Christian television when I was 19, got paid like 400 bucks to, to be the apostle John and this like made for TV thing. So I am a little bit famous, but no, I'm just <laughs> but yeah, I guess to, to, to kind of, build on that that five months just kind of set me in this direction of being like wow i really gotta like work on myself a little bit separate from just now i have meds that are kind of helping me stay stable so whenever i share my story with people i'm always like the medication part was a pretty big percentage of it you know it's like math which i hate math I'm bad at math, but I'm like, it's probably like 70% is the medication part, you know? And then the other 30% is therapy and people and purpose. But I think the biggest thing that's also helped has just been talking about it. And the podcast was only two years ago, but before that, now for probably the last like five or six years, I've had the opportunity to speak a lot. And I got involved with a program called Courageous Minds, which which was through the clinic that I go to in Pomona. And it was basically just a like, you know, what's your story? What's happened to you? What have you done to like overcome? So I've had the opportunity to speak in schools and to students. And then in the last couple of years, I've worked with NAMI, which is the National Alliance of Mental Illness. They have a couple of different programs. One's called Ending the Silence. Another one's called Inner Own Voice. And it's just a presentation on like the story I just gave you, like what's happened, what helps me, and then kind of what's what's next for me. So I've done a lot of that. And I mean, recently, because of COVID, fortunately, we still get to do it. It's just all like online. So the speaking and then kind of mixed with the podcast has helped. And more recently, I've tried to be a little bit more into like therapy, because therapy is kind of not and I haven't done it very consistently, but yeah, I don't think that kind of answers. Those are just some of the, but I think the biggest thing that has helped besides everything I've kind of already said is just having community 
and friendships with people. So I don't know what that's like in your life because everybody needs people, right? You're, you're, you're not going at it alone. But yeah, I've been tremendously blessed to have just the roommates that I live with or some of my closest friends. The job that I've had for the last five years, it's a small business and we're all kind of kind of brothers and close to each other. And I'm sure if I was working at some big corporation, I wouldn't feel that way. <laughs> You'd be surprised. I have a yeah, lot yeah. of friends I've collected from my corporate job, a lot. And I still am in touch with quite a few of them from even 15 years ago. So. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think having people... And I think it's really important for, for as an exercise of our, especially the beginning of the year, kind of, I mean, I know we're already like flying through January, but yeah, I do think it's important to like, it's really helped me ask myself, kind of like when you talk to people and you're like, what do you want to do with your life? You know, that's such a huge question. And a lot of times our answer is always like, it's like has to do with work. It's like, what is my job? And oftentimes your job and then what you're like passionate about are like a little bit separate because sometimes you just, you know, you work and it's not always what you exactly want to do. But I do think, especially with depression or any kind of addiction, you really like, I've really lost a lot of time and like energy that's been spent on losing my mind <laughs> you know and i think everybody has to deal with that because i think oftentimes with addiction there's always regret and that that's kind of part of the like 12 steps of you know you need to go make amends with people and for, forgive i do celebrate recovery too which is basically just aa but with like the bible created by this guy named john baker who's from california so I do that too. And I'm like on the, the, the step of like, oh, I have a lot of people I need to forget. <laughs> but I do think it helps to like really try to find something that, you know, gives you passion. You seem like a very passionate person. And that's probably why you do your podcast too, because you get a lot out of really, you know, hearing other people's stories. And, and I haven't listened to every episode, but so far, so good. What I have heard about just, you know. Thank you. It's, if it's, that makes sense. Yeah, if that makes sense. It's all about, I liked my day job, like, before I quit it. I got to play with flowers and stuff. And I loved when I was helping the floral managers or when I could make an impact on the business. We got some new management in. I wasn't allowed to do that as much. But I also started on this journey. And the podcast is actually just step one of my master plan. Like, I actually plan on building recovery playgrounds. That's how I'm going to help people. So I'm trying to figure out all the avenues to get the millions of dollars that I need to build these recovery playgrounds. Because I want Denver. I want Kansas City. I want LA. Like those are some of my locations. I picture it being a chain across the country. What is a recovery playground? I'm sure you've probably already talked about that on the show. So well, I haven't, I haven't shared much details. Oh, okay. Well, you don't have to. It, it sounds cool. No, it's okay. It's an idea that started back when I was married. I was married to a big kid. And I remember thinking for his 50th birthday, like I wanted to have a slip and slide and fun, like kid things, but no kids at the party. 
but we got divorced before he turned 50. So I didn't get to do that. And the girl he was dating at the time didn't throw him a 50th birthday party either, but which still pisses me off as you can tell. But anyway, so then it snowballed. Anyway, I've never had kids intentionally. Okay. But I'm the person who's sitting on the airplane will have the kids screaming two seats over. Or if I'm trying to walk in the mall, they're zigging and zagging and whatever, or they're just busy. I'm not acclimated to the busy. It's a, it's kind of like my own version of a panic attack, really. Like the mm-hmm. scream you gave me and all that. Like I struggle with that. But if I was to ask you, Jared, where can you go for adult entertainment? I mean, with clothes on, adult entertainment, recreation, where there's no children, no gambling, and no alcohol. Where can you go? I've never asked this on the air before. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. I mean, I guess I would say maybe to someone's house with friends that aren't doing those things. Right. <laughs> but most of the time, I mean, I guess with COVID, it's been, I, I remember I was like at this birthday party for a friend in February, like before this all happened. And I'm like, yeah, that was the, I mean, I used to go to this brewery that unfortunately shut down and I'm like, oh wait, that party, there was alcohol. Okay, that doesn't count. The brewery we used to go and drink. Okay, that doesn't count. Lord's Yeah, now I so I I I see why you're asking the question because you have this passion to like create something that uh, doesn't involve that stuff, you know. Right. So, so I can't really answer the question. So <laughs> the only the closest I've got yeah. is one person and he was on Grant Cardone's team. He said a gym, which I agreed with him at the time when I thought of Planet Fitness. But then when I think about the why, that place is always crawling with freaking kids. They're everywhere. So right. Right. we've had Zumba canceled so that the kids can hang out with Santa Claus. So I don't agree with <laughs> the whole gym thing. CrossFit would be a little bit more communal. I mean, or like, because I've worked out before too. And I'm like, my favorite thing to do is just go play hockey because that's totally just an hour and a half of bros just being bros and you running into each other. Fortunately, I haven't been able to do that with COVID. And I'm like, I ran a marathon two years ago, but a lot of that was just me training by myself. So that wasn't really even community either. That was me, like me versus me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I follow what you're saying. I think it's very interesting. Well, I think of, yeah. I think of the alcoholics, for example. Yeah. They want to be on a pool league or a dartboard league without having alcohol in their face they don't have a place to go do that not that i know mm-hmm. of if if you go to the casino i mean there's there's drinks so you can get away from maybe the kids but there's still alcohol they're still gambling that kind of stuff bingo hall whatever it is i can't come up with a place so the vision in my mind is all based on my recovery. So like I take pictures when I go for walks, walking is one of my coping mechanisms. And I Mm -hmm. take pictures of all the flowers because flowers are like in my blood. I imagine those pictures of the flowers are going to be in my recovery playgrounds. There'll be all kinds of activities. There'll be the dart boards and the pool tables. I want to have celebrations for clean time as well as the birthdays and the anniversary. Like addicts don't have places to go other than 12 step or celebrate recovery or, you know what I mean? As a general tool. For sure. So I want to create this, this stream of like this option, but it's, it's going to have to do with, with 
how I got here. Like there's going to be a roller skating ring and an ice cream bar. And like, I just, all my things are going to come to life and people can come and play. Like, I want you to slide in to a ball pit. I want that to be the entrance. So it's going to be a playground. That's awesome. Covery playground. Yeah, that's awesome. So, I'll, yeah. I'll come. I'll come. I love it. Yeah. So and then the back piece is the the serving people is I want, I don't know if halfway house is the right answer, but I want buildings on the property where people who need a clean start and need a roof over their head and a job will work on the property for me, but they'll live in this like halfway house where they'll have treatment not formal like doctors, but they'll have to go to meetings. They'll have to do the things to to kick off their life and they'll have the opportunity because that's what yeah. most people need. It's just opportunity. Yeah. I mean, whoever you surround yourself with, I know you like to integrate a quote into all your shows. I don't have a quote for you, unfortunately, but there's obviously so much about like you know, you're the product of like the five people that you hang out with. I think I've heard that in, before. And maybe it's a Gary Vaynerchuk way of saying things. But like, yeah, the people you're around is that's the behavior that's kind of going to follow. It's like if I'm just around people who are negative, I'm gonna walk away and feel like crap after talking to them you know and if i'm hanging out with people who just want to drink all the time and smoke and sit around and complain about the president then you know so i follow you got to be surrounded by you know good people and good influence so it's ambitious i like it well i'm, I'm working on it that's why before we got on it's like yeah 2020 was like fucking horrible so much bad stuff happened but mm -hmm. it also helped me move the needle on this vision you know like yeah because it really started coming together in 2018 so i was really able to put things into action so we'll see that's a big goal i want to be in my kansas city location on my 50th birthday with enough funds to fly people in that i want to be there and to hire blue october because they have come to all my openings even though they don't know it yet Oh, yeah. It's funny because when I first heard your podcast, I, I was like, I know this song. I've like, <laughs> listened to this song before. And then the first thing I thought of was, how did you get permission to use this? And then you told the story, how you met them. But I was like, I just use art lists and that's about it. So, but yeah, I didn't, I made a video of my mental health story. Actually, it's on my YouTube channel. Uh, it's called The Beginning Again. At the end credits, I was trying to get permission to use this like Switchfoot song. Switchfoot's like a big Christian rock band. Anyway, I never got permission to use it, so I just did something else. So that's cool that you maybe someday I'll get Switchfoot to be on my podcast. Gotta and, buy a meet and greet and go, you know, bring your 16-year-old niece to bet better eyes. That's so cool that you have that. It adds a lot to the because everybody uses instrumental stuff that's just the default but to actually have like lyrics is pretty cool so. well we did get tripped up on youtube because justin didn't give me like written permission like i couldn't go through the label like i tried all that oh yeah yeah you have to have like a license on so yeah youtube already yelled at my team about posting videos there but anyway i totally got us totally off course so tell us how you're doing today tell us what like life looks like you you said that you're doing speaking engagements mm -hmm. uh -huh. 
you know, things are okay. To be honest, I, from the time that I had gotten out of the hospital until about two years ago, I, I, I had about a six year streak of not being in the hospital. And then I kind of had some stuff happen. I was traveling a lot for my job. The job I've had for the last five years, we do uh, virtual tours for businesses, like photography on like Google Maps. So it's like Google Street View. Probably seen like a virtual tour of like a house, you know, where yeah. you can like walk in. We do that, but we do it for like dealerships and businesses. So I used to travel. That's why I was telling you earlier that I've been to New York and I've been to Albany shooting like virtual tours and it's i was tremendously blessed and spoiled that i got to like travel and take pictures and that was my job but it wasn't exactly the best for my mental health either because i was gone a lot and i slept all weird hours all the time so i kind of hit a wall with that and then anyway i'm sorry i'm not really answering your question how i'm doing now things are better but yeah i, I had a really hard time with COVID and I had, I was in and out of the hospital in March, May, June. I got a job working at like a, a mental health hospital. <laughs> and I thought that that was going to be something that I would maybe enjoy because I've been a patient myself. And then I was in a relationship and we broke up and then I had that job and then that job triggered my bipolar. Then I went into the hospital and I like tried some different medication that I kind of went against the advice of my outside doctor and that triggered me into this like three month suicidal season from like May to August. So building up to say all of that, that I'm doing a lot better now, the speaking thing has helped and I took about six months off of doing that. The podcast helped. Yeah, I'm really trying to just love myself. I think is the biggest thing. And I definitely have had this tendency to be like really hard on myself about everything. Like, oh, I'm not, I just like this feeling of like, I'm not doing enough, you know, or feeling like I'm failing. And I'm like, okay, I've survived suicide multiple times. I think I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, you're meant to be here. So. Yeah. So, sorry if that's a long answer to your question. I think now it's just, kind of like what I was saying earlier, like taking as much responsibility as I can for me and from my thoughts and trying to just be really grateful. I think gratitude's a huge thing. Like I encourage people to just, anytime you start getting down the path of like comparison and feeling like a failure and I'm not doing anything, to really just be like, okay, I have a job and I haven't lost my job, even though COVID is crazy. And lots of people, I mean, our business got a small business loan and we might get another one. All right. Well, that's pretty cool. You know what I mean? Like, sure, America's in debt, but we're getting money. You know, you know, I don't have a really good relationship with my dad. He moved to Florida. We don't really talk very much, but I'm really close with my mom. I see her every Sunday. We watch movies together. She feeds me really well. She's awesome. I don't see my sister a lot because she lives in Seattle, but I got to go for Thanksgiving and spend a week. She's got three boys. All right, I got to go travel during COVID. And my mom bought me a plane ticket, you know. 
And I, I think it's just very easy to slip into like, so I'm trying to do that as much as possible because there seems to be this tornado of like negativity that just comes sometimes. And it's like, whoa, I don't have it all figured out, but I do have a lot of things to really, really be grateful for. And I think that's a huge thing in recovery to try to just have gratitude. And I'm, I'm sure you do that too. So agreed a hundred million percent for sure. So yeah. you're, you're given some good uh, nuggets here. You were Yeah, to, absolutely. If you were to say one thing like COVID's not over, there's right. people out there that are like struggling, whether it's bipolar or those suicidal thoughts or those voices in her head that tell us we're not good enough that you mentioned, like what, what would you, what would you direct them to do or suggest for them? If you had someone in front of you asking, like, I'm feeling this way. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that's helped me is the one thing that's like always for sure in life, whether you really has nothing to do with religion, actually, or anything like whether you say it's the universe or you think it's karma or you think it's Buddha or whatever. It's really more of just like a law. It's kind of like a law of gravity like that's one thing that we we can't really argue against it's like what goes up must come down you know is the the kind of the the force of like things can change and will change that's like a definite so oftentimes our struggle with anything gets kind of worsened by the fact that we're like this is just never going to change. Like my situation, the thoughts I'm having, the relationships I'm in, the job I'm in, all of that stuff is like circumstantial. And it's like, it's going to get better and change without you even doing anything necessarily. Right. But I, I do think we can kind of back to the whole, like try to just control what you can control. And even if you're in a, a state of like suicidal thoughts and despair where you're just like, oh, there's no way out of this. And oftentimes you just feel like there's no way out of the thought, right? It's like just the thoughts not going away. Your mind cannot stay in the same place forever. And I just went through this again. Like I thought I was never going to go through this again, but I just went through it again for three months from like May to August. I was having like suicidal thoughts like all day, every day. And I was like, all right, well, I've been through this before, but then the last time I went through this, I almost died. I'm not going to try that again. But I was very close to like, it felt like a real thing. And I was like, oh, I thought I was never going to go through this again. Ah, And it was really hard. And then literally just one day, it just stopped. You know, the storm just like, it's like, in the movie when the boat is like in like up against the the storm right and then it's just eventually like it calms and like the sun comes out and you're you know laying on the boat or whatever yeah. i don't know if that does that i don't know if that I, that helps it's it's all of this is a little bit easier said than done like when you're actually in it it's just very hard to to embrace the fact that like you can't stay in the same place forever and, I, and I've listened to so many people's stories and books and everybody says that. They're like, it just 
I thought I was going to stay this way forever. And then eventually one day I just got a little bit better and it went away, you know, and try to just control what you can control as much as possible, which is your thoughts. You know? I wish I had you two days ago. That's what the daily reading was about two days ago. It was <laughs> oh, like, yeah, so past. yeah, I should have looked it up while you were talking, but it was, it was literally what all things pass is the first line out of the reading. Patient attains all that it strives for. It, it talks about, you just did an eloquent job. So I don't even need to tell you anymore. You just did it very well. Yeah. I started listening to your, to it. And then I found it, Oscar Morris. Oh, was it, was it from Oscar Morris? Sobriety is its own reward and then some? No. Oh, never mind. Okay, this is something else. I was trying to look up what you were talking about. <laughs> oh, this is not a medical um, book. So I do a daily oh, 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 oh. book every day. Oh, never mind. Okay, different thing. Yeah, and then I download. So is there anything that I forgot to ask or you forgot to mention that we want to address before we sign off? Um. Man, we just talked about a lot of good stuff. I'm yeah, really, yeah. really just honored that you just asked me to do this. And I really hope people get something out of this. I, I just love the opportunity to share and be honest. And I, I hope, you know, people can can really just make it through whatever they're going through. I know it's before COVID, people probably were struggling. And during COVID, yeah, I, I feel like I kind of covered everything that's you know made me me and i'm still learning and i would love for people to find me on facebook jared deal or type in louder now podcast um, facebook page message me there you can email me louder now 88 at gmail kind of like what you said you don't know everybody who's listening so you're like i know people are listening because i see the numbers but i don't know <laughs> I know it's more than just my mom, you know, and yeah, I, I, I would love to just connect with people and try to just be of support to whatever. I'm not a doctor, but, you know, I have my own experience. I'm sure you experience that too. You're not a doctor, but you're like, oh, I've been through a lot, so I can try to help. Yeah. <laughs> so people want friends, you know, people want community and connection. And we'll make sure that all your links are in the, in the show notes, nice and handy. Yeah. Once I Absolutely. get my web mess, you'll live on of my course. website too. So, so. yeah, I just want to say thank you for just creating this podcast and creating this space. And I, I personally don't have much experience with gambling. I used to try to play poker in high school and I sucked at it. And I was so ADD. I was like the first to lose with my friends. Uh, every Friday night we'd play and I'm like, I hate this. I hate gambling, but just, I know there's still a huge need for that, you know, because it's a real thing. I appreciate you just, you know, like pressing ahead and, you know, working on these episodes and getting it out there and like, you know, that's awesome. So I just really respect you for that. And that's great. So, well, thank you. You're doing the same yeah. thing. It's all about raising awareness so people don't have to yeah, shit. Yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy posting on the Facebook page and then getting like a hundred comments of people like, I'm talking about this. I'm talking about this. I want to talk about this. And I'm just like, whoa, this is a huge subject, you know, and I, we all need to just keep, I'd like to write a book someday. It's really a slow process. I have a, a little bit 
uh, I've been a writer naturally like my whole life, but I would like to put a book out there and get my story out there. And are, do you, are you a, a writer? Yeah, I have three. <laughs> three books? Well, they're not published yet. So, oh, okay. No, but there's, there's definitely three coming. One we're co-authoring. There's 13, 12 or 13 of us women that met online this year that were writing mm-hmm. series. Like we've decided we're going to be the next chicken soup for the soul. I, I started one that I didn't finish. That was about healing from the guy that like shattered my world. But he also taught me mm-hmm. more than I could ever imagine. But then now I'm like friends with them and like it helped me start the healing and I got to healing. So now I don't know. I don't know how to finish it, actually. (laughs) And then I wrote one about my VA business because people need to understand how to hire VAs too. Well, what is it? A virtual assistant. I'm sorry, a virtual assistant. Virtual assistant. Okay, I thought you meant veterans affairs or something. So Yeah, it Uh, checks me up when I get their emails. There's awesome. emails all the time. But. All right, Jared. Well, thank you so much for being here. And Thank you again. It was truly an honor and such a great conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You're welcome.